I've been replaced by a topless Stevie Polillo. Is this what, is this what we've come to? Ciao ragazzi and welcome to another edition of Serie A Sit Down, World Football Index's podcast of Calcio. Told like it is, I'm Frank Cravello, he's Richard Carmen. Ciao Richard. Ciao Frank, how are we doing on this uh, Wednesday night? Thursday yeah. night, you don't anymore. We keep changing up on each other. It's Wednesday night, we, we moved out of consideration of everybody wanting to go election night crazy. Uh, you know, and uh, I don't know if it would have made a difference. So, yep. Um, yep. But because uh, I think people are still election night crazy and they're going to be that way for a long, long time. So um, we we shall see. Uh, I, by the time they figure out who this damn president is going to be, we'll be in our sixth season. <laughs> no, it'll be it'll be uh, it'll be our next. It'll be time for the next presidential election. So <laughs> there you go. There that's you that's go. the way it's going to go. Okay, <laughs> that's it for election talk. If you're in the chat, if you're joining us, no chat about this. Okay, None. this is a this is an escape. This is a safe place where we don't talk about <laughs> politics or we don't talk about the election or any of that other crap. Oh. We're, we're here to talk to Calcio uh, and we're here to uh, break down everything that went down. So on this podcast today, uh, we will uh, examine the fortunes of the Serie A teams in the UEFA Champions League. As of tonight, we're at the halfway point of the group stage. See how it's looking for them. Uh, have a look at their upcoming fixtures to determine if um, – you, what what possibility they have of achieving qualification um, for one team? It's going to be really really easy. For others, there's some issues. So uh, we will uh, take a look at all of that. Uh, we'll have a quick little look at the Europa League games that are going to be taking place on Thursday. Get you set for that. Uh, also, obviously, uh, breaking down everything that happened in match week six, uh, and finally finishing that off with. Who won Calcio Twitter? Are you drinking tonight, Richard? I'm drinking tonight. I just uh, I thought I needed a little, a little something extra tonight. Yeah. So. All right. Well, I got the beer tonight. I'm going with the uh, Spotted Cow, your favorite that you nice. never, never had before. Yep. I got four roses bourbon tonight. So. Oh, excellent! I love that stuff. Yeah, is that yeah. the uh, is that the uh, single barrel, the small batch? Is it? Yes. Yes. It okay. Is. Lovely. It's smooth. I like it. It is great stuff. You're drinking it neat too. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Good man. That's how I like it. Good man, good like man. It. All right. So we begin by uh, breaking down what has been going on in the Champions League involving the teams in Serie A. It is uh, mixed results so far would probably be the best way to describe the progress uh, that our teams are making. Some in good, couple teams in pretty good shape, a couple teams with some work to do. Uh, Richard, let's start with Group B. Inter is bottom of that group uh, on two points. Munch and Gladbach lead the group on five points and are scoring like they're scoring like it's going out of style. They've scored ten goals in three <laughs> games. Uh, Shakhtar on four, Real Madrid on four, and then Inter on two. And Inter are bottom as a result of losing at Real Madrid's training ground uh, by a final of three goals to two. Um, very entertaining game. Inter had many chances to get something out of it, but also uh, allowed enough chances to not get anything out of it. Um, First of all, uh, your your thoughts on uh, how that game went? It was an interesting game. Uh, I, th I think uh, you know 
going into the match, you weren't sure how Inter were going to do. You know, yes, Conte, you know, tends to do well in these kind of games. However, you know, Real Madrid has been playing well as of late, and you know, Inter have not been not not been playing that great. And so we were wondering how that you know that would shape up. But uh, what you saw is a back and forth, and I and I was on the live chat with um, uh, our friend Uncle Sharmo. You know, had a live stream going on on YouTube. Yeah. I follow along with him and. At one point, it was 2-2. They thought they were going to win the game. I mean, I thought they were going to win the game, too. Uh, of course, Madrid uh, ended up winning that game. But uh, it was a good back-and-forth game. And I thought um, Inter went head-to-head with them for the most part. They got the goals. They missed some opportunities. But, uh, yeah, ultimately, I think uh, the better team did win. Yeah. Um, but, uh, again, difficult game. Always going to be against Madrid and Zidane. Anthony Calcata checking in with us. Ciao, Anthony. Good to hey, see ciao, you. Ciao, Anthony. Um. I think that one thing, if, there, if there's something that you can take as an Inter supporter if, that, that might be redeeming, Lautaro Martinez can do it by himself without Lukaku. Uh, yeah. Goal and an assist for him in this game against a top club. Um, you know, Sergio Ramos is definitely up there with a ton of experience, and Rafael Varane just sucks. Um, you know, and that, you know, that's that aside, it's still Real Madrid, and there's still the pedigree of having to play them. So um, it's. Uh, you know, it it was uh, you know a game that uh, they they did enough to win, but they also they also got exposed as we mentioned. Two nothing uh, going down quickly is never a way to do it, but you know they they fought back from right. two nothing, which is good. Right, and I, and I thought it was an, it made for an entertaining game because both of these teams played as if they were desperate for the points to try to work their way back up, especially after. Uh, Munch and Gladbach absolutely shattered Shakhtar. I mean, six nil in a game that probably wasn't even that close. Um, so. Uh, but it's, it, you know, it's what it is. So as we look at Inter now, um, they probably would have been a lot, obviously would have been a lot happier with a draw because it would have had them sitting in third. They would have been a couple points out of reach of, of, of Munch and Gladbach for top spot in the group. But this group is wide open right now yeah. as it stands. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, Inter's path has to start with beating Real Madrid at the San Siro. Um, the, and they get Shakhtar at home. Um if they lose to Real Madrid on match day four at home, I, I don't see how they get into the top two places to reach qualification for the last 16. That uh, match day four, home match against Real Madrid, in my opinion, that is Inter's most important game of the season uh, thus far. Yeah, they really have to come up with something. I mean, at minimum, a draw. Uh, of course, you'd like them to see get a win, and it's very they're very capable of getting a win, but... Yeah. Um, I think you're right. I think this is a big game for them with the Champions League. Otherwise, they're looking at possibly Europa League right in the face. Sure. Uh, but I think a draw is a minimum what they need because you got to expect that um, Gladbach's probably going to get another win. Uh, anything can happen, obviously. But you, you, and if you're you're betting man, you probably think you know Shakhtar is going to take another beating or at least lose. Uh, and then you know then you're forced to win two games after that, and at that point you, you might be out of reach. So um, you know, best bet is get a draw at minimum, and then hope for the best. Uh, best the best no the best laid plan for them is to win you know go they, all out and then you got a chance they get Shakhtar at home on match day six it's match day five where they have to travel to Germany uh, yeah. and play München Gladbach so yeah. I mean the path is very very tricky but I think it has to start with beating Real Madrid because if you do that I I I definitely fancy their chances of beating Shakhtar at home and that puts them on eight yeah. points and then if they can get something out of the München Gladbach game with how tight this group has been. Um, it's very, uh, very possible, uh, you know, that they can qualify. But this is, you know, the last couple of seasons of Inter in the Champions League. This is what it's been. It's come down to a conceded goal here or one goal short there. 
Um, it was the the when they were in the group with Tottenham. Um, you know, famously, we were talking about this. I believe it was uh, Inter was in the group with Tottenham. And was it Napoli that was in Liverpool's group that season? Yes. Um, that it came down to the last game for them, and they both narrowly were beaten. Or, you know, Inter lost at Tottenham on a, believe it or not, a Christian Eriksen goal. Um, and that set, yeah, that set, <laughs> set the stage for Tottenham that got to play a Barcelona team that didn't give a shit because Barcelona had already qualified, and it left Inter sitting third and having to go back down to the Europa League. Well, then last season, again, uh, you know, they're short a goal here or, or they miss out there. Um, they go out at the expense of Borussia Dortmund, uh, and I believe Barcelona, they were in their group again. Um, so, you know, we're seeing the same things They're They're coming up short and I only look at the Shakhtar game. I look at the sitter that Lataro did miss in that game and some of the other chances that they had, they could very easily be on, uh, four points here with Shakhtar being on three. And then you're talking about Inter being in better contention and maybe in a better position, but the way this group is shaking out and with how competitive it has been, um, I I like if Inter can win at home against Real Madrid, I think they will win at home against Shakhtar. And I think those six points might just sneak them through uh, for second spot. What do you think? Yeah, it might. And uh, Frank Resorto's on the on the chat and he says, uh, bring on an Inter crisis. The world feels normal again. Of course. <laughs> of course. Uh, yeah, no, I, I think they could squeak, squeak by. Uh, and, you know, for them, I think it's, you don't want to put, you know, you, you want things to be in your control. You don't want to leave it to other teams to make mistakes yeah. and stuff. But I think, you know, do what you can. Maximize the amount of points you can get in here. Um, beat Madrid and then, you know, obviously take care of Shakhtar and then leave it up to, you know, the game against Gladbach and then you have a chance, a really good chance of, of qualifying through the group. And I think that's going to be their focus right now because um, as much as you want to say, hey, we can go to Europa League and try to win that, there's some good teams in there. And, you know, oh, by the way, your rivals are over there and they're playing pretty well at the moment too. So, yeah, uh, if if you're them, the bigger the bigger trophy at the moment is Champions League. Go for that. I mean, you just want to come in the first two spots and move on to the next group, and then anything can happen. Um, that should be their main focus at the moment. And you know, depends on when these games fall, right? Because we've seen we've seen historically when Conte has more than three days to you know get ready for a game, he can he can he's one of the best in the world at doing it. But when he's on short rest, that's when his team tends to fall apart. And you know, this is we a prime example yeah. in the Real Madrid game. They go down two nothing off the bat. So uh, we'll see. Yeah, it's a big, big challenge. But uh, win two out of three. My my thinking is their best bets are at home against Real Madrid, at home against Shakhtar, and that's their that's their chance. Um, you know, but those are two games that they I think they have to win for any any look at getting into the in you know in second for sure. So yeah. um, over to Group D, and uh, boy, oh boy, uh, Atalanta is still in this. Believe it or not, no matter how badly they got <laughs> hammered. Uh, by oh I mean Liverpool goodness. decided to be Liverpool and and just absolutely I mean it is a Diogo Hota who the announcer said it he said it absolutely right the kid's in the form of his life right now yeah um, you run into that you run into Mane you run into Salah and you know what this was a concern going in Atalanta have not been airtight back there by any all. stretch. Um, and uh, they just got exposed uh, you know against Liverpool um, so. They that that's the bad news. The good news is that they're in third and they're very much in contention. And the way that this thing is shaking out, um, Ajax also both Ajax and Atalanta have to go to Anfield. Yep. Okay. Let's just let's just get this out here first of all. Let's get the 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 obvious thing out of the way. Liverpool's winning this group. Yes. Um, Atalanta. It's down to Atalanta and Ajax for second place. Ajax has to go to Anfield. Atalanta has to go to Anfield. And Atalanta has to go there first. 
so Ajax gets Mitchelland at home. Uh, so this is going to end up being um, Ajax going three points clear, but then you would hope on match day five, Atalanta beats Mitchelland, and then Ajax loses at Anfield. So then they're both on seven points, and then it comes down to match day six in Amsterdam. And that's really yeah. what it's going to come down for, to for Atalanta's prospects um, to reach uh, the knockout rounds of the Champions League. Can't outscore everyone. That's the damn truth. Yeah. Um, but it's fun if you try. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but it's more fun for the neutrals. Yeah, makes it more fun for me to watch. Yeah. Uh, that's for sure. That's so like Sassuolo so much. <laughs> yes. So would you? I mean, I, I think this is cutting right now. Ix. It was a two-two draw in Bergamo. So Atalanta. If if it comes down to that scenario and they're each on seven points going into match day six, Atalanta will need to either win or have a draw at I believe three-three or higher. Uh, I think that. It, after that, it comes into goals for goals against or something like that. Which, if it's goals against, they're screwed. They lost. They they shipped five against Liverpool. So, yeah. um, a a draw of three. So under under those scenarios, Atalanta go through with a draw at IX of three three or higher, or if they beat them in Amsterdam, um, size up Atalanta's prospects for getting through. You know, if it does come down to the last the last day. Um... Even though it is in Amsterdam, it's it's a it's a difficult place to play. You gotta like the players that Atalanta have in comparison. They're more experienced players than the Ajax players. Uh, they got some really great players when they're playing well. Uh, Ilicic, Ilicic will have many games under him at that point. Muriel, Zapata, I can list all the Atalanta players. If they come to play, I I'm fully you know I'm fully believe that they can come out with a victory there. Okay. Um, but can they? That's a, that's a trick question. And we've seen how can they stop any goals as well? Our Ajax are going to have their opportunities. They don't want to get into a shootout where it's 3 3 because um, you, if you're in this shootout scenario, it's probably not going to be a good, good case for them. And can they can they keep pace with, with Ajax? Who knows? I don't know. They need to figure it out. They get to square it up defensively because we've seen both in the league and in, 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 in Europe, they've given up goals left and right. And so they need to figure that out. And I think they got enough time between now and then to figure that out. And then hopefully the players who are a little bit rusty can get back into shape. And then at that time, they can maybe be on all cylinders. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, but I do like the prospects uh, going into that game. But it's not going to be easy by any stretch. Coming down to a one-game all, basically, uh, to see who goes on is never – never. Uh, you never know who's going to win that game because it's, it's whoever's the best on that day. It's not necessarily the best team. The other wrinkle that can get thrown into this is um, Liverpool beat – Atalanta it, at Anfield. Okay, on match day four, yeah. they get to 10 points. They By doing that, they'll secure qualification to the next round regardless of – or actually, they'll get to 12 points. So they'll clinch qualification after match day four if they do that, if they beat Atalanta. Um, if you know, Ajax beat Michelin, the, the, they will be on seven points. So uh, that would leave Liverpool with just needing a point against Ajax – uh, at Anfield on match day five, and then you or a point at Midland to go ahead and certain and clinch their uh, you know clinch first place in the group. I you know I haven't dove very deep, but the one thing that you could see is that you could see Liverpool's best team at home against Atalanta on match day four, and then you see because Klopp has already done this match day five against Ajax, you start seeing you know the Divacarigis of the world. Um, and the Jardin yeah. Securities of the world uh, playing against them, which makes it a little bit easier for Ajax, and they might get those three points. The, instead of being level on points, then going into match day six, and if the chat's following me, I hope they are. <laughs> um, 
yeah, get out your abacus. We could be having IX on 10 points, Atalanta on seven points, and then Atalanta would have to just outright beat IX uh, right. in Amsterdam. And then it can't be like a high score draw. So it's ultimately, long story short, Atalanta's prospects of qualifying come down to match day six in Amsterdam. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's not a, it hasn't been a good weekend or a good week for uh, the blue and blue and black teams of uh, Serie A. No, it hasn't. Um, the quiet under the radar best managerial job being done in this group stage is Simone Inzaghi at Lazio. Yes, I agree. Um, he, they, through three games, he has can now three games given the conditions that he's been in. Yes. Okay. Let's be clear. Um, he has five more points than I thought he would have. Yeah. Okay. He has five more points than I thought he would have. I did not think they would beat Dortmund at home. Um, nope. I, you know, I, and, and they, and, and, and really Dortmund, I thought were slightly better on that game. Lazio took advantage of some very bad mistakes to get those three points. And then you have a less than full strength team going to Brugge uh, and getting a point there. Yeah. Uh, you have a less than full strength team going to Zenit in Russia, not an easy trip, no. uh, fall behind, find the resources to come back and draw and get a point there. So they're sitting second in group F. Um, they host Zenit and they host, so they, they host the teams that are going to be chasing them for points for qualification. Lazio have a very good chance to go through, uh, to the knockout stage. And under the circumstances, I think Simone Inzaghi deserves a lot of credit, yep. uh, for, you know, paying, you know, he, he's, he's made the right decisions with these games, given yeah. what he's been a, a, afforded to work with. Absolutely. And I think it's, it might be even more impressive about the, the, the performances of the last two games as opposed to the Dortmund one because he was dealing with, with a, a far from top lineup. Lots right. of COVID, COVID cases in, in, the, in both those games where he missing a lot of players and still found a way. They were resourceful enough to find a way to get a point in those games. Those, and those points would come up huge uh, towards the end of this thing. And so, yeah, if you know, they start getting their guys back for the rest of these games and they're at home, you gotta like their chances uh, yeah. and coming away with at least a one goal victory in each of these games, and then they'll be in really pretty position to come out of the group easily. Uh, you know, first or second spot doesn't matter at that point, but uh, they'll be out of the group, uh, and they're in a they're in a great position at the moment. You know, five points uh, ahead of their ahead of the rivals, like you said, and uh, being at home. I mean, what more can you ask for? I think uh, the job that Inzaghi has done thus far in the Champions League has been uh, extraordinary. Uh, given the circumstances, and you know, if he if they do make it out of there, full credit goes to him for uh, being able to manage this. When the when in the past we probably would have questioned that he could have done this, um, especially given the circumstances. So, uh, yeah, full props to him. Uh, uh, it'd be nice to see Lazio. It would be a, a a team that not many outside of their own fans thought that would uh, right. qualify out of this group. So, it's probably going to come down to match day six where they're at home against Brugge. Yep. Um, they, they'll beat Zenit at the Olympico, I think, um, okay. which will put them, you know, ahead of them. And if you think Dortmund beat Bruges, well, that puts Lazio four points ahead of club Bruges. The only problem is Lazio on match day five, go to Dortmund. I don't think they win that game. Um, if they get a draw though, uh, they might have, if they, if they beat Zenit match day four and assuming Dortmund beat Brugge yeah. on match day four. Okay, if Lazio go to Dortmund uh, and get a draw, 
they'll qual they'll clinch qualification regardless of what Club Brugge will do on match day five against Zenit. Yep. So they'll clinch going into that match day six. Um, and and again, considering what Inzaghi has had to work with, it's that's that's a pretty that's a pretty impressive accomplishment. Absolutely. So absolutely. So that's the details, and that's what we're looking at when we when we lay the groundwork for uh, Lazio. We save the easiest for last, uh, Juventus. Um, won four one at Fenerbahce, uh, and now get them at home on match day four. Um, they do that. That puts them on. That'll put them on nine points. Ferenc Varos will only be on one point after match day four. Dinamo Kiev will host Barcelona. Um, and you got to think Barcelona will come out of that at a minimum getting a draw. And if that happens, you know, through four match days, both Barcelona and Juventus go through. Um, so this one's this one we don't have to waste a lot of time on. Juventus is in an excellent position and can clinch this on, on match day four. Uh, I will say this though, you know, looking at how some of how that Barcelona Dinamo Kiev game unfolded, that's not a done deal for Barcelona going to the Ukraine. Nope. Dinamo Kiev had a ton of chances uh, to get something out of that game. They're going back to the Ukraine kicking themselves. But you know, as it pertains to Serie A, Juventus in great shape. Yep. Uh, nothing to worry about here unless they have a total meltdown. Yeah, and I, I don't foresee that happening. And and it seems like they're almost only getting stronger. So yeah, it looks like it's going to be. Uh... A qualification as we expected, possibly most likely second in the group, which is uh they're more than happy with that. Sure. And there's an outside chance that they could uh you know go to the Camp No and stun Barcelona on match day six. Oh. I don't see I don't think sure. it's going to happen. Um but uh yeah, what a difference uh this team what a difference this makes when you can throw Ronaldo and McKenney back into this team. Um how good has he been lately, McKenney? Oh I, excellent. I, I think I'd be happy to have him and Ronaldo, both of them. Yep. Yep. I know you're you're lamenting uh always as a Shalk fan. I'll go find his jersey somewhere. <laughs> uh I know you're lamenting uh that whole situation. So uh but 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 you can uh you can cheer vicariously, I suppose. That's right. So. That's right. <laughs> quietly, quietly. Yeah, quietly. Quietly. No, you don't want it getting out that you're a Juve fan now. That's right, that's right. <laughs> oh mercy. Okay, so those are our thoughts on how it's looking right now for the Serie A teams. We could get all four through. There's still a great, there's still an opportunity for that. A lot of things need to happen, particularly with Inter and Atalanta. Yep. I mean, at a minimum, we feel really good about Lazio and Juventus. Um, Atalanta, it's going to come down to match day six, one way or another at Ajax. Uh, Lazio, I mean, yeah, Lazio may or may not have to come down to match day six at home against Club Brugge, but it's, uh, but Inter, Inter probably the toughest path, and that's just a product of being bottom of the table. Must win at home against Real Madrid. Must win at home against Shakhtar. I think that that with the way how competitive that group has been, those two wins will be enough to get them through. You know, and probably in second position. Um, any thoughts on the Europa League teams? I mean, it's early going right now. Um, Milan have taken control of things in their group. They get to play Lille at home, um, which should be a bit of a tricky proposition for them. Um, you know, with the with the players that they're capable of turning out now, Lille, uh, they've got some decent midfielders. This is, you know, a, a guy that's probably going to be chomping at the bit to get the chance to play in this game is going to be Rafael Leal. He came from there, mm -hmm. um, you know. But uh, when we look at Lille, um. Hang on a second. I got to get into a different screen. Um, 
they're not going to be a pushover. Now, uh, the, the one thing that did catch me by surprise, uh, I thought they would handle Celtic. Um, yeah, they found it difficult, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Uh, and they ended up settling for a draw. Um, but when you look at this Lille team, uh, they just came off of tying Leon at home. Um, Leon ended up going down to 10 men. You look at their team, uh, you you know, Jonathan Bamba is a talent. Barack Yilmaz is starting to score some goals for them. They've yep. got some guys capable of doing some attacking. Renato Sanchez isn't the 50 million euro player that we thought he would be. But it's hard to believe that that was four years ago that my gosh, yeah. Byron Byron splashed out 50. Was it Byron that splashed out the 50 million for him? Yes. Yeah. Byron Munich. Yeah. 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 You're so, right. Um, and and Benjamin Andre is a a, a tricky little midfield player. I mean, he kind of does a little bit of everything. He doesn't do anything. He doesn't excel at anything, uh, you know, in, you know, in any category. But he does a lot of things really well. And then you got guys like Yilmaz and you got Ikone. So we'll see how they'll look coming out. We'll see how Milan look coming out too, because you know certainly they could stand to do some rotation now that they've got Rebic back healthy. They've got Helga back healthy. Yeah. Um, thoughts on this game? Yeah, it should be. I mean, it should be a fairly close game. I, th- I think you know, for all the all the Europa League teams, I think they're they're all going to qualify through. Um, they're all more than more than capable of doing it. But I think this game in particular, um, you would expect that Milan's going to have a strong team no matter what. They've been in fine form. Uh, you're gonna you're gonna think that they're going to want to continue their unbeaten streak. So that, that means it, at least a draw, right? Um, but they're they're going to have a strong team, Lille. Uh, don't don't discount them. Yeah, they had a struggle against Celtic, but um, it's a it's a good team. And I, I like you said, I think the key factor we're going to see is probably Liao getting some action and trying to trying to prove to his old team that you know he has uh, a reason he left because he thought he he was looking for greener pastures, if you will. So um, it'll be a fun game, I think overall. Uh, probably looking at a draw or a narrow win by Milan. Um, uh, you gotta like the, the the depth that they have that they can probably put out at their disposal. So um, it'll be a good game. Rafael Leao, uh, anytime goal odds is plus 162. He's getting better and better every game. If he starts. I mean, Zlatan Ibrahimovic has the best anytime goal odds in this game at minus 135, one, minus 138, but that's obvious. Yeah. Um, and I'm looking at, uh, and I just want to look at the alternative goal lines. Um, I actually think there's going to be goals in this game, and, and seeing the over three sitting at 2.2 to one, that's, that's a bet I'd take. If I had sportsbook in Wisconsin, so because uh, I think that this has a chance to be somewhere in the neighborhood of a three-one. I think Milan win this, but it's going to be in the neighborhood of a three-one, three-two scoreline. Um, yeah, I don't think they're going to keep Leal out. No. Uh, so it's Leal's uh, getting it, at least one. I think. What's that? Leal's going to get at least one. I think. Oh yeah, for sure. With what they've got going forward, and I think that with the, you know, rotation going on, just the defenders getting a little bit overbooked with playing time. Uh, it could be issuing Roma against Cluj. Now Roma's weird to me right now uh, in this Europa League because Fonseca completely rotates the team. He puts out uh, Borja Mayoral under the assumption that he's still good. Um, I mean, he's very young. I shouldn't shit on him like that. But um, nil nil against CSKA Sofia uh, doesn't inspire a whole lot of confidence. And now you got Cluj coming in, who's kind of been a little bit of a uh, a fixture in European competitions. They may not just, they may not go deep into tournaments, but they're a nuisance to the people that they play. Aren't they first uh, in the group too? Uh, I want to say that they are, they are, they're on yep. four points with Roma. 
uh, and really ahead on goal difference because they haven't played each other yet. So it's right. a chance for Roma to take over top of the group, despite the fact that they've been pretty casual in their approach to this competition so far. Yeah, and I think this is a great opportunity for them uh, to maybe put a more stronger lineup out there, put the message out there that they're not going to mess around and try to get qualification, get the win in this game, and then they can continue with that rotation afterwards. But I think if they get the three points here, that'll separate them from the rest of the group and they can relax a little bit more. If they walk away with this, a draw or even a loss, then you're going to start wondering what are they going to focus on? Focus on Serie A or are they going to focus on Europa League? Um, and so I think you know they need to take this game a little bit more serious just because the position that both teams are in. Make a statement and then be done with it and rotate as you see fit. Uh, that's probably the best scenario, I think, for Roma. But, um, you know, if their A lineup is in there, you think it's an easy win. But we've seen mm-hmm. in the past that Fonseca has put out a, a B, uh, obviously B or C lineup out there uh, and hoping that his team can come out with uh, some results. So we'll see. Cyprian Deac, uh is the influential player for Cluj. He's been there a long time too. Uh, he's also a fixture in the Romanian national team. Uh, yep. Very technical player. Uh, Going to be on all of their dead ball stuff. Uh, you know, certainly a guy you want to deal with. Mario Rondon up front, uh, a striker that uh, is capable of bagging some goals. These guys are uh definitely threats consider especially when you're playing Federico Fazio in these games uh there you have to account for them uh yeah. so um this will be uh this will be an interesting game I think Roma's going to win this uh I, you know mm-hmm. you know cuz at some point you know it'll be the same operation the the the, the rotated guys are going to start they're going to be crap and then Jacko's coming in Pellegrini's coming in and the like and 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 they will uh they will unfuck what the what the rotated guys have fucked. That's what's gonna happen. So, in for lack of a better hey, description, technically speaking, right? Yeah, I'm so eloquent with my words today, That's aren't right. I? <laughs> Napoli travel to Rijeka. Ask AC Milan how hard that trip is because that got them knocked out of the Europa League a couple of years ago. Yep. Napoli is madly aggravating uh, in this. Europa League so far because they gacked one at home against an outside Alkmaar team that was just below strength because uh, they had a COVID hit um, with their players and then then you see that outside Alkmaar beat this team beat this Rijeka team four nil on match day two. Granted, it was in Holland, um, but then then you and then you see Napoli traveling through El Sociedad and winning, which I did not see that coming. I didn't either. Um, you know, so as good as Napoli is and as how much we revere them. Real Sociedad in in Spain, Napoli going to Spain. Uh, usually, that doesn't end up working out too well for the Partenope. So they go to Rijeka. I think this is a tougher game than than this is going to be a tougher game than Napoli fans are going to expect. Yes. Yeah, Rijeka is a, is a Slovenian champion. Uh, they're 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 very good frustrating team as much like you could like you said with Cluj they they get under your skin they, and they do it just enough and they get results they knocked out Milan not too long ago as we as you mentioned uh it's going to be a difficult game for them they need to take this game as serious as they took Sociedad uh yeah Sociedad was first place in La Liga at the time when they played and I think they still are uh so they need to take them as serious as they did them because uh Rijeka if you're not ready for it uh they're going to get you and I mean Rijeka, who did they knock out in the uh, qualification? The team that was expected to win, and they and they got him with a late goal. The, the, uh, the Copenhagen, goal. that was that own goal. That was that own goal in, Cob- in Copenhagen. Goal. But they were being now, a pest if, in Copenhagen. If, if, Copenhagen was a favorite. If 2020 was a goal. 
That was it. Was it. That, that was that the was goal. It. Go and, and Google it. Copenhagen own goal against Rijeka. <laughs> that's a perfect example. Because Copenhagen is was a favorite in that game, and Rijeka just kept being aggravating, frustrating, and they found a way to win the game. Albeit ugly, albeit 2020, they found a way. And so I think if you know Napoli are not you know focused on this game solely on this game, they're going to find it difficult. Uh, and it could be a draw when they should be a win. Uh, so I think they need to take it for sure seriously, uh, and then it'll be clear and sailing from there. But um, first things first is, you know, pay attention when you go to Slovenia. Uh, uh, Sandro Kulenovic is the attacking threat for them. Uh, uh, the uh, captain for them, Franco on, gosh, I'm going to butcher this name. Uh, Andrea Sevic. Uh, there you go. Franco Andrea Sevic. Uh, and then uh, Stjepan Lonchar. Lonchkar, Lon- something like that. Um, but for, uh, Croatians out there, forgive me. Um, I'm for butchering these names, but uh, uh, those are guys that you're probably going to want to pay some attention to when you're going out there to Croatia, uh, as far as uh, guys that can be, you know, threatening to Napoli going the other way. So, yeah. um, so that was we we got started with the European roundup. Uh, how about would you like to take it away with the match day six? Yeah, let's take it with match day six. Uh, I guess I'll kick it off with the score lines here. Uh, starting off, uh, Crotone hosting Atalanta, who we just mentioned a few minutes ago. Uh, this game would be at Crotone. The scoring would start by the road team. Uh, Luis Muriel in the 26th minute would get the goal, put Atalanta up 1-0. Uh, just about eight minutes later, uh, or 12 minutes later, I should say, Luis Muriel got his brace, made it 2-0. That lead didn't last very long. Uh, our friend to the show, Mr. Saimi, gets a goal, makes it 2-1 to one going into halftime. We thought we were maybe going to be in for a few more goals in this one. Unfortunately, uh, the goal scoring dried up in this one. Yeah. Uh, game ends 2-1 full-time. Um, lot, this game is a lot more difficult for Atalanta than uh, anticipated, huh, Frank? Um, I mean, a lot of possession yeah. uh, for Atalanta in this game. Um, you'd expect more... You'd expect him to be more ruthless and more clinical. Ruslan Malinovsky uh, looks like he's getting it back together. He was really good. Yeah. He had the assist on Muriel's first goal. Um, but uh, but yeah, uh, you know, a game that on another day Atalanta probably bagged four or five, especially against this opponent. So I mean, they um, brought in they brought in Zapata and Ilicic at halftime, trying to you know search things up. It didn't really help him. But yeah, it's a. Uh, uh, Crotone, they just buckled down. Cortaz, uh, Cordaz, excuse me, made a great save on uh, Muriel early on in the game. Um, and some made some big saves in the game too. But uh, overall, I think uh, Crotone did look far better than the than the scoreline. Or they made Atalanta. They, they they did very well against a team that's you know more than capable of, of cleaning house against them any other day. Yep, yep. I mean, uh, you know. It's, uh, you know, some days it's just, it's, you know, and we'll talk about this with a, with another team or two. It's just some days it's not going to be pretty. Just get the three points and get the hell out of there is all, you know, is all you can do. So speaking of not being pretty, uh, inter hosting Parma in this one, uh, you know, Parma have been struggling mightily this season. Obviously, uh, Liverani is a, as a name that's probably one of the hot seats for one of the first managers to possibly go this season. Uh, they would, uh, get off to a surprise start in this one, uh, the uh, old man Gervinho in the 46th minute gets a goal, puts Parma up one nothing in the early in the second half. He would get his brace uh, about 15 minutes later, uh, make it two nothing in the 62nd minute. That seemed to finally wake up Inter uh, uh, Marcelo Brozovic. He would get a goal in the 66th minute uh, to make it two to one at that point. Then it was nail biting time for Interisti. 
Uh, they, they they tried and they tried. They missed so many opportunities. This game was a, a game of missed opportunities for Inter. So many point blank chances that they missed. Um, kept, it seemed like this game was destined to be a loss uh, for all the chances that they missed. But in the 92nd minute, uh, Ivan Perisic in the second minute of the stoppage time would get the equalizer, make it 2-2. Inter walk away with a uh, a draw. I don't know if it's a deserving draw. Maybe it is. Uh, but it's a lot harder result that they came out with than it should have been. Well, Inter dropped two points here. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I was on uh, Man of the Match Radio Friday with our, our friend Alex yep. Dono. I'm actually, uh, you know, shameless plug, I'm going to appear again this Friday on Man hey, of the oh. Match Radio at 2 o'clock Eastern time. So uh, those of you in South Florida listening to that, uh, check me out there. Uh, Alex and I chat uh, a little city. So, you know, we talked about this because this was uh, game one sans Lukaku. Um, and um, how is it going to work? How are they going to approach it? Well, he decided to go with Patisic and Lotaro up front, which makes a ton of sense because now you can have, you know, Patisic can operate a lot from the left, you know, and Lotaro can be central. And then you leave that right side open for Hakimi to just, dart forward and, and put the pressure on on that side that he's known to do uh so it, you know when when you see that he he decided on that because throughout the week you're speculating well they're going to do a three five one one where they play you know yeah. erickson behind latara or do, or do they stay true to their three five two and pinamonte plays yep um you know and one of the things that i i pointed out to alex is said you know the first game is against parma which is defensively going to give they'll defensively give you every opportunity to build confidence in whatever you decide to do. So, and I mean, it was true. First half, there was no goals for either team and Inter had 63% of the possession. They outshot Parma nine to one. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, Parma catches them on the break. Beautiful goal by Gervinho in, oh, in the 46. Uh, it's in my top five for sure. Um, you know, but then the, the resolve, I mean, Inter just created so many chances and I would give Sepe a lot of credit here. He made seven big saves in this game yeah. to, to help Parma yeah. get the point. So, and, uh, you know, we've talked about Sassuolo being a bogey team for Inter, but you look at Parma's popped up and taken points off of Inter here and there the last couple of years as well. So Yeah, and Parma should be a bogey team for the way they're the way they're lined up. They should be a bogey team for most teams, and they had been yep. for the last couple of years. But this year, for whatever reason, under Liberani, they've been, they find it tough. And I guess it, it took them an opponent that they, they found good success against uh, recently to get back into the way, back into their groove, so to speak, because uh, Gervinho looked... Uh, looked fantastic in the game. Obviously, he got an assist from uh, Inglese on the second goal and in the first goal. I forget who they got the assist in that one. But, um, yeah, they, they were pestering, and they had a good game plan against Inter and nearly got away with the win there. Uh, it wasn't for the last-minute uh, tying goal by Perisic. So, um, you know, you hope with this result, at least for Parma's sake, is that they continue to build off of this game and continue to go back to the way they played before uh, previously and under De Veresa and We'll see if they can uh, round things and save Leverani's job. Uh, but I think uh, Inter, as much as they like that point in this one, they they need to find ways to score, especially when Lukaku is in there. They, they're creating the opportunities. They had the chances. Hakimi, yeah. Galliardini, I mean, you name it. They, every, every player had a chance in this game to point blank to try to score goals, and they didn't get it. So um, they need to find some ways to get goals and instill more confidence because I think right now it's a little bit rocky at, at, the, at the blue side of Milan uh, and – they feel like maybe this uh, the league title is starting to slip away, even though it's early on in the season. Yeah, it's uh, still a long way to go. A I mean, I mean, case in point, and we'll talk about them in a little bit. But everybody was shitting on Juventus here. Yeah, but 
lo and behold, look where they're at. You know, I mean, and in, in, in asking the questions, can they win the title again and all this other stuff? Because it looks like it's a struggle under Pirlo. Huey fans are complaining. They're in third on 12 points. You know what I mean? Four points. And only we've only played six games. Inter's only played six games. They've got 11 points. This thing is very, very early. And yeah. the the yeah. the top eight or nine, maybe top the, the top half of the table, you know, six points separates first from 10th. We're a long way from figuring out what everybody is supposed to be. Yeah. Um, so outside of outside of Sampdoria, every team in the top ten, you know, had been there at some point last season, including sure. Hellas. So sure, you know, so you know, you can say the form is holding, but you also and way there's early. way early. There's a team that might be sitting in the bottom half that could be poised to get themselves on a run. So yeah, and there are teams in there that are that have the quality to do it. So absolutely, absolutely. Moving on to the next game, uh, Bologna Jose and Cagliari. This became a goal fest in this one, and we've been saying this for weeks that you freaking start Mustabaro, good things will happen. Lo and behold, this game uh, he gets a start in this one next to, uh, uh, of course, against Palacio. Palacio gets a start. Uh, Barro starts up on the left. He had, um, well, the scoring actually started by the road team. Uh, Jao Pedro uh, gets a goal of the week candidate. Uh, nice, lovely goal. Makes it one nothing early on, uh, and then. In the 45th minute, the man we just mentioned, Musa Barro, gets a goal, uh, goal of the week candidate, makes it 1-1 going into, you know, at the halftime mark. Simeone coming out of the break makes it 2-1, a nice goal for him. He's continuing to have a, a good start to the season. Uh, I know Cagliari fans are happy about the, the way he started this season yeah. to give Joe Pedro another, another scoring partner there. Uh, that lead didn't last very long. Soriano, who's had a good start to the season as well, Makes it like makes it two two at that point, and then again the man we've been talking about, Musabaro. Uh, what a what a goal to make it three two in the fifty sixth minute. Uh, bullet of a shot. Uh, they win three two at home, but uh, again it's the Musabaro show. Uh, two goals and an assist, I believe, in this game. Uh, he's he does good things when he starts the games, and why he didn't start? Maybe we saw the cast on his hand. Maybe it has something to do with why he didn't start, but. Every time he's played for them, it seems good things have happened uh, come through him. He's like the the, pull, the string maker. Or that, string that and th- this is the performance that last week we've been screaming for uh, yes. out of Bologna. You know, yep. when we were talking about them potentially being, you know, through the first five match weeks, being the biggest underachievers in the league. Um, this is the quality that they're capable of, yep. uh, especially with that midfield. Um I think that midfield, that that the two, the double pivot of Scouten and Svanberg, and then you play Orsolini, Soriano, and Barrow in yep. front of them. That's that's not. It may not be the best collection in this league, but it's a it's a setup that is going to give everybody fits when it when it functions properly. And They're here talented. it did. They're talented. Yeah. Yeah, Cranio had six saves in this game. Bologna had nine shots on target. This could have been a blowout. This could have been a runaway for Bologna today on on the way they performed. The goalkeeping this weekend in general was phenomenal. In this game, you know, it's had oh, a great yeah. for Cranio in this game. Yeah, uh, Sepe was great. Cranio yep. was great. Uh, Consili had a huge game. We'll get into that in a little Dragowski bit. Dragowski as well. Dragowski. Um, yeah, there was some excellent goalkeeping. Uh, as that seems to that seems to happen from time to time now in Serie A. Uh, I mean, there's a lot mm-hmm. of quality, talented goalkeepers. I mean, so much so that Alfred Gomez is playing Champions League football with a with with Ren. Uh, didn't yeah. go so well for him today, but uh, but anyway, um, and, and yeah, after he was with Spall. Yep. Um, so, uh, Palacio 
you can look at this and you look at all that quality and those those five players and then you put Palacio up front and then you know one of the things that I you know when I watch this game is I wanted to pay attention and say what is what does Mihalovic see in this guy you know and he's just a guy that just that has tons of experience he's not going to be a guy that is going to pop up for a ton of goals anymore no, no. um but the one thing that impresses me when I watch him play is you know he lets he knows that the guys behind him have talent and they have technique and he lets them play, you know, and he figures out where can he get in positions to help them get in position to do something next. When you see him with his passing, when you see how he plays those guys, he pu- he puts them in position to do something with their technique and do something quickly. It, seems, it sounds very familiar to a team that ha- that's near and dear to us, uh, an older player, you know, letting the younger players do their thing and setting them up for success. Yeah. Um, we're not we're not comparing the two levels of the two older gentlemen no. by any means, but no, right. the other one the other one scores goals. That's exactly. the, the, that's the difference. Exactly. <laughs> um. So he just he he gets into higher positions. He gets the ball. He stays out of the way of those guys. Lets them operate. And when he gets the ball, he plays them into positions where they can be dangerous. You know, he doesn't he does and he doesn't get a lot of assists either. I mean, if, if we talked about like secondary, if they actually counted secondary assists, they do that in MLS, which is kind of silly. Um. But if they they because they, they think it's hockey like hockey um but if they did secondary assists in Serie A I'd have to wager that Palacio would have a fair amount of them over the time he's been at Bologna yeah I agree between that and you know poaching goals he's probably up there on both sure uh he the intelligence he has to not only you know see a play develop and, and get that and get that first pass to get to the assist or just find the open area so know where a shot's going to come from get the rebound and get a goal boom done uh, he's, he's, an, he's an he's he's an old Nuno Gomez. Yeah, he's an old yeah. he's an old poor man's Nuno Gomez. Yeah. Uh, when you talk about the like the two thousand Portugal team at, at at the Euros when they had they had Figo and oh, Joao Pinto and Rui great Costa team. and Nuno Gomez is just to stay stay up there and stay stay up there and just be on the end of everything. Yep. <laughs> Put it in, so, poach it in. That's it. Yep. And so, he does it. Yep. So it's just it, it, it it's kind of it's kind of like that. Yeah, I know it absolutely is. Uh, all right, so and then uh, moving on, uh, Udinese game. We we knew it was gonna be tough going into this. We talked about this with uh, Steve Polillo. Uh, Udinese hosting Milan, and this one, this one is uh, certainly an interesting game. We knew it was gonna be tough the whole way through. Uh, scoring started in the 18th minute. Uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic takes a pass, receives it off his chest, holds it up very nicely, finds a streaking Kessie who comes in a box and just bullets a shot up the top corner. Uh, goal of the week candidate there in the 18th minute. One nothing for Milan at that point. Uh, they would take that lead into halftime, but coming out of the break, um, a man who's uh, found it rough going to start the season, uh, Alessio Romagnoli, uh, he takes down his man in the box. Uh, to me, a uh, stupid play by Romagnoli leads to the penalty for Rodrigo de Paul, who steps up and scores a goal. Uh, before we move on to that, uh, you okay with the call penalty? I uh, am 50-50. I've seen that get called. I've seen that let go because he got the ball. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, he was too aggressive on his body to body, shoulder to shoulder. Yeah, was, I was fine with that call. I, yeah, it was. I've seen it let go too. So, uh, keep on great work, man. I am rooting for you guys. Very nice of you, Steph Stephanus. Thank you, thank you, and thank you for thank joining you. us. Thank I you. I think it's his first appearance. We yeah. should give caps to our chat. We should. We should. Oh my gosh. So we've been no. doing that for our guests. Maybe <laughs> maybe we should have like a, a ca- you know caps for the chat so that we can keep uh-huh. track and 
maybe that'll keep, you know, to keep him coming back and everything. So, but, but with that, going back to that penalty, I think ultimately you knew Rodrigo de Paul was going to step up to score. I mean, he's, he's, he's our best player. Uh, you knew, you know, he was going to score a goal, no matter who the goalie is. And uh, he did get that goal, makes it one, one at that point. Um, and the game went back and forth, you know, some great opportunities of both teams, especially Milan uh, in this game. Obviously they're going to have more possession in this game. Game though, it came down down to the wire. Eighty third minute though, uh, we see a play. Rebic obviously getting involved. He's back on the team. A ball comes in, and Zlatan doing Zlatan things, even at the ripe old age of thirty nine, finds a way to do a, a bicycle. I guess you want to call it uh, goal of the week candidate. There, the old man. Very surprising. I, if I I pulled my back watching him do that, uh, Frank. Two uh, one Milan get the win on the back of. Literally on the back of Zlatan Ibrahimovic, goal and assist in this game. Another big game by the man, big Ben, big Swede. Yep, uh, he has seven goals um, here in Serie A, and Great. he's the uh, Capo Caniari leader. Your pick, uh, right? Your pick? No, no, I picked Lukaku. Um, I've got to be honest on that one. Um, and as you know, I, I have no problem seeing uh, Ibrahimovic at the top of it. The top, the, yeah, the Capo Caniari leader is thirty-nine years old. Um, that's uh that's 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 incredible uh you know more impressive performance another impressive performance from simon kiar uh you know in this game chalanola was decent not spectacular uh obviously cassie getting in and getting the goal um you know it was nice to see as a milan fan um and how could you tell with a background um it was nice to see Teo Hernandez getting back to uh, the attacking instincts. Yes. Uh, I think he had, it was an area where he had really struggled. I thought he played great in this game. I thought it's probably been his best game up to date. Um, that I think, old adage we grew up with, keep it simple, stupid, you know, yeah. I think that's what he finally got back to and it's keep it simple and do what you're good at. And he got back to it. Yeah. I mean, we talked about this though, when he, in, you know, in the Derby, I think that he looked so poor offensively because he had to do so much defending with Hakimi putting so much pressure on him that when he got forward, his, his technique just got sloppy. He's out of uh, energy know. at that point, I guess, you know? Right, right. There was definitely more purpose to him in this game. I think a lot of it had to do Udinese allowed it. Um, but if, if, if that's, good players do if they're gonna they're gonna let you come forward you're gonna take the opportunity so so yeah i mean and and i I made the comment here that this had previously been a fixture for milan that was a draw um or they found a way to lose it i think under under jampala they did lose it um you know what what didn't they lose under jampalo um so you know, this is the sign of a good team when it's not going well or it's not going the way you had hoped, and you got to grind and you've got to find a way to win a game. Good teams do this. This is how, yeah, this is how title winning campaigns get built. That That's when right. you look back and you're going to look back, these are those were three important points that could have just been one point. This is how Juve has um, won so many titles in a row. Exactly, exactly. And I am not, you know, I'll say like. I, you know what I'll say on the man, you know what, I'm, what I said on Man of the Match Radio. Scudetto through five games now, six games. Scudetto is not the aim for Milan. I mean, it's going to be the aim for a lot of Milan fans. If Stevie was here, he would tell you Scudetto is the aim every damn year, and that's fine. Yeah. Uh, but for me, being practical, top four, regardless of where you finish in the top four, top four is the goal to get to the get back to the Champions League and get that Champions League revenue back. Yep. Um. So. And these are the kind of results that you need 
uh, to bolster your prospects of achieving your goals and achieving a top four finish. That's right. And we're speaking about a team that knows how to win. My last, last of my batch, uh, Spezia, uh, hosting uh, the, the current champions, the reigning champions, uh, Juventus. Uh, this game, would, would see, you would see the return of Ronaldo. Uh, that would be in the second half, though. Uh, the game would start with Morata, uh, Mr. Offsides. Uh, early to 14th minute, uh, we see a lovely play by Juventus. Uh, McKenney gets one-on-one with the goalie and decides to pass to Morata. Goal scored. Mm-hmm. We're looking for the flag. It was called offsides, but they went to VAR, and the goal stands. Unbelievably. That's the first goal he scored uh, onside in a while. Um, yeah, he was, he was on. He was on. He was onside. <laughs> Minutes later, he would score again, and that was offsides. Uh, so yep. we're back to back to Alvaro Morata. Uh, but yep. uh, two nothing at that point, or one nothing at that point. Excuse me. Uh, Pobega did make it two, one one the thirty second minute, and you had Juventus fans worried just a slight bit. But uh, fortunately for them, their man came back in the second half, Cristiano Ronaldo. And as he's back, the goal scoring is back. Uh, he would score a goal in the fifty ninth minute. Nice pass to Morata. Make it two to one at that point. Uh, just a few minutes later after that, Rabio uh, would decide not to pass to Morata, figuring he was offside. Kept the ball and then scored for himself. Made it 3-1 at that point. And then in the 76th minute, there was a penalty. Um, Chiesa taken down in the box. And, of course, Ronaldo's going to step up. He gets his brace. Uh, 4-1 Juventus win. Uh, Ronaldo's back. McKinney's back. All things okay now with Juve now that those two are back? No, I mean, this is why I been saying Juve fans don't panic it's way too early um you're going to get Ronaldo it's not like Ronaldo is gone for a long-term injury it's not like McKenny was gone for a long-term injury it was it was COVID and they had to sit out and um the Ligt and and Sandro are back uh, very soon as well so right you know you're gonna get everybody back and you're you're in a phase right now where you're working on a lot of new players Pirlo is trying to figure this out on the fly and 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 be you know over time this is going to get better and better for Juventus now Carlo Garganese was singing the praises of the the combination of Ronaldo and Morata today with their champions league performance against Ferenc Varos uh, and then obviously that was evident here and, and justifiably so. I, you know, I, I've gone from worrying about Juventus trying to jam Morata in to realizing that he's pretty damn valuable and he's scoring a lot of goals offside or not. Um, that has to be said, yeah. He's he's finding the back of the net regardless if it's offside or not, and that's only a good sign because as someone who keeps doing that, uh, is bound to, the luck is bound to go their way and, and start scoring more and He's been, you know, some people put you know, pointed on Twitter. He's been one of the better players you know, this yeah. season, you know, minus the off sides. Uh, so yeah, it's it's finally starting to work out for Pirlo, and then obviously having Ronaldo at your side is going to help anybody, right? Make right. us make us look better. So uh, yeah, that's, uh, that combination is starting to work, and uh, maybe there's maybe just maybe they're finding their main lineup under Pirlo. It's still early to tell, but yeah. I, you know, and I, I, you know, I'm I'm an admirer of Dejan Kulishevsky's game, which is why I was rooting for a Kulishevsky Ronaldo combination up front. But Pirlo's figuring this out. He's got a lot of talent. This is a more talented. This is a more talented team than Saudi had. Um, uh, you know, when you just take a look at the players up and down. Um, and uh, the one thing that you know, while Carlo is beaming about how. Ronaldo and Morata have worked together. It, let's remember that they've worked together over a period of 125 minutes against Spezia and Ferencvaros. Can they do this against someone a little more rigid? 
okay? Um, you know, where the spaces aren't going to be there and, and things like that. That's that's where I'll really be impressed. I mean, I certainly like what I saw. The, you got to beat the team. You know, you can only deal with what's in front of you at the moment, and I understand yeah. that. But it's the same thing when I did the Napoli theory with Alciman and, and the way they got off to a start. I said, can they do this against somebody that's going to give them a little bit more of a challenge? So, you know, we got to ask the same questions of, of this combination for Juve. On talent yeah. and and potential, they should. Yes. Okay, but we need to see it. So, um, you know, so I, 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 I like it. I'm with what Carlos said, but I'm going to just – I'm going to go slow on this. And, again, you know, we talked about those two playing very well. And we and I talked about this in the in the Champions League section – I thought McKenney played very well in this game. Uh, he had a great opportunity to go for go on goal one on one with the goalie, and he you know he smartly passed it off his teammate. He knows that if his striker gets hot, the team's going to get hot. Uh, and he a great play by him. He he's playing he's playing really well for Juventus. I'm I'm, I'm very surprised in how he's mm-hmm. played, and obviously not him. Also, Arthur is playing very well for them at the moment too. And I think Pirlo is starting to find what pieces go where, what, what works, what doesn't. Um, I'm still questioning some of his his. Uh, his starting eleven, like for both every now and then, and and you know Chiesa wing back, but I think for the most part he's figuring things out. He's still trying to figure yep. out where Chiesa fits and other guys, but um, he has the pieces and he's got to put them in the right position. I think he's starting to get it. And we've seen this from Juve teams in the past at this yep. stage of the season. They're going to be very comfortable with dropping points at this stage of the season in as a product of trying to figure out who they are yep. for the long term. Uh, you know, for the stretch hall. And then they're so good at recovering and, and, and getting on big runs to work their way back to the top of the table. So yeah. I still think they're the favorites to win this thing. Um, and I think that this project's going to get better as the season goes on. So uh, I don't know if this is going to translate to European success, but certainly Serie A, I think, is, 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 I think is theirs to lose again. So... Moving on, um, I now anoint Torino as the new Torino as the new fun bad team of Serie A <laughs> on the Serie A sit down because coming into this game against Lazio, there had been 17 goals oh in their God. last three games. Wow. Um, and uh, Torino against Lazio, if you were a neutral and decided to turn this on instead of the Spezia Juventus game, you knew you weren't going to be let down because, well, it's Torino. <laughs> they're so capable of scoring goals going forward, but they're so god awful defensively at the same time. My goodness. And uh, that was evidenced as Pereira, uh, opportunistic Lazio yet again, uh, after just some good pressure, uh, Torino coughing up the ball and he finishes in the 15th minute that put Lazio ahead one nil, but that lead would be short lived as Bremer comes through uh, in a set piece situation in the 19th minute uh, to level the scoring at one, one, just six minutes later, a penalty. Uh, Andrea Bellotti converts that uh, to put Torino up 2-1 at halftime. But remember, this is Torino. This game's not over. Uh, Sergei Milinkovic-Savic in the 48th minute, leveling the score. And that's all the scoring we would see until the 87th minute. Sasa Lukic, which would actually be his second goal in three games. And uh, midweek here against Genoa, he would score yet again. So he's getting he's getting hot. He's getting hot and he's getting among the goals. And uh, he seems to have found a niche playing for Giampaolo. Puts Tonino ahead in the 87th minute, but drama. Uh, <laughs> there was an additional time of five minutes. Lo and behold, a penalty is awarded after a VAR review. Were you okay with this penalty being called? Um, 
I was. Uh, I thought it was more clear cut for me than the the first penalty that Belotti got the sc- the goal on. I thought, um, yeah, yeah, sure. Timing, you know, you will question that at times, but I think it was more of a penalty for sure. Okay. Chiro Immobile converts that in the 95th minute when the game was supposed to end at 3-3, but somehow there's more minutes because of all of the VAR review and the checks and all of that other stuff. Plenty of time for Torino to screw to fully screw this up. <laughs> and Felipe Caicedo in the 98th minute wins this for Lazio. Um, I think I've said enough about Torino. They're fun bad. Their games are going to have multiple goals for as long as we can tolerate it. Um, Lazio. I mean, we talked about the job that Simone Inzaghi did, has done in the Champions League, and it's very, very commendable with what he's had to work through. Yeah. However, I am uh, extraordinarily, if I'm a Lazio supporter in terms of the league, I'm extraordinarily worried because I think that this is a Lazio team that is living on opportunity, taking advantage of opportunities now. And I'm struggling with this because last season, what you see was, you know, when Lazio made this run last season to earn a champions league place, they just went out and flat out feasted on the bottom half teams and they just dominated them here. This is another team that you would think last season they dominate, but they're just, eking things out and finding ways to win in a lot of these situations. And this is a pretty dangerous game to play if you're talking about trying to get back into the Champions League next season or even any kind of European qualification. I agree. I agree. I would agree with you nine times out of ten with any other club. Um, I think with 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 Lazio, and I, and I think I brought this point up last year or the week before, is that last year, as you mentioned, they coasted. I mean, the teams that they're supposed to beat, they they beat handedly. They didn't face really mm-hmm. much adversity. And when it came down to the wire at the end of the season, they capitulated. They couldn't. Uh, they couldn't play into three you know, every three days. Granted, some of that, most of that, was probably depth. But I think they need a little adversity in their lives and finding ways to overcome that. Like we've talked about Juventus, how they've been go- so good for so many years. Is they found ways. It's not always been pretty, and they found ways. The, the scary part for me, if I was a Laziale, is that they're giving up so many goals. Giving yep. up goals by the bunches, but they've also been very resourceful in finding ways to win. Whether it's been in you know in the in Champions League or, or, in, or in the league itself, they're finding ways to win, which is good. So I, I I'm on the edge about this because I don't like the goals that go in, but I like that they're finding ways to win uh, as well. So uh, adversity is good, but they are fight. They are playing with you know with house money at the point right now. And if this continues, it's not going to be like you mentioned a good thing when you're trying to get to a European spot or champions league spot, what yeah. have, um, but I do like the adversity part for them for sure. Cause they have been missing that last season. And I think it's, they need that. Yep. I, uh, you'd, I mean, I think you would feel a little bit better if they get into some of these games against these, these, these more oh, of the yeah. bottom half teams. Yeah. Um, that, you know, that you might see, you know, some, you know, some more resolve. I think in another, another, another way to look at this, you know, Lazio haven't um, had the ability to, um, you know, they, they, they have not played, you know, they haven't had a chance to play a Spezia or a Crotone yet. Yeah. Teams that, you know, they're going to just walk through. Yep. Okay. They beat Cagliari. They they drew Benevento. 
uh, on the opening day. Is that nine night September nineteenth? Yeah, that was the opening day of the season. Um, you know, uh, and then they get drilled by Atalanta. They they drew Inter. Uh, they get beat by. They get blown away by Sampdoria. Who you know that 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 loss doesn't look as bad now. Um, you know they beat a Bologna team that is still a handful. Yeah. You know, and then they obviously got the Champions League results. So, you know, they're going to play Juve on Sunday, um, and they better sharpen up because I don't think that this is a game that they're going to win on seizing opportunities. No. And I think you're going to hear Laziales say, oh, we, we rotated the lineup. We had Moriki start and had some other guys that don't normally start play. Um, and that's true. But I think yeah. you need to uh, start getting things right, especially when you're playing a team like Juventus, who where you're not going to have those opportunities as you had. I mean, yeah, they feasted they, on them in the past, but this is it's different. By both teams, both teams are different places than they were in the past. They've been struggling. They've been struggling when they played their best lineup. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, it is, isn't something just because they're – you know, shorthanded and all this other stuff. This is not new. They struggled to beat Benevento. Um, they didn't beat them. They drew them. Yeah. Um, they they lose at Sampdoria. That was a game, you know, last season. They, that fixture, they won 3-0. This year, they lost at 3-0. So, um, you know, so it is a little different for them. Um, you know, and, and right now, and I think a lot of it's maybe the process of having to play in the Champions League being thrown in. Uh, but that shouldn't be a that shouldn't be an excuse. They were in the Europa League last year, and Inzaghi had to figure out how to rotate. You know, maybe the fixtures were a little bit more spread out than they are now. Uh, but yeah, I, you know, I think if we want to take Lazio serious seriously as, as being somebody that's going to be in in the European picture again for next season, they're going to have to get back to their comfortable winning selves against the kind of competition that they should take advantage. You know, take advantage of. So. Um, you know, and Torino being one of them. So it should they shouldn't have to leave it late to get three points against Torino. So Napoli Sassuolo, I think for some, when you look at it on paper, it's going to be the surprise of the week. For the was, casual Serie A fan, it was going to be the surprise of the week. Yeah. Um absolutely. If you listen to Serie A sit down, this shouldn't surprise you at all. Correct. Uh, because we've been very, very high on Sassuolo from the beginning. Uh, and they go on to win this game 2-0. It was a Locatelli penalty in the 59th minute. Napoli trying to press, uh, trying to get something out of the game. And if I look at the second half stats, they were a lot more even. First half it was all Napoli, really, in the first half. On shots oh. and on shots on target, yeah. But Sassuolo had a lot of the ball. I mean, the way this game was approaching, Napoli was more than okay with letting Sassuolo do their pinging around in certain areas of the pitch. But once it squeezed and got forward. That's where, um, that's where they did their work, won the ball and just tried to spring it forward. Um, oh, oh, by the way, Sassuolo were missing the three best players, Caputo, Berardi, and, um, uh, Juricic through, uh, I don't know if it was COVID or injuries or whatever, but well, I was gonna say, was it, did they have a COVID issue? I didn't, I never read about that. I, it was either injuries or COVID. I remember, I don't know what it was, but the three, three best players were not playing that game. They still found a way to win. I think this was a very classic chess match. I think Michael Lisi probably uh, uh, jinxed this match saying, oh, what are the chances going to be a 0-0 game? And it was 0-0 for a while. Uh, but I thought that uh, the Zerbi in this one outmanaged Gattuso. As, we, as much as we gave credit for Gattuso outmanaging Gasparini early in the season when the Napoli just hammered uh, Atalanta, I thought the Zerbi did a good job of being 
this being you know a pain in the ass for for Napoli. Napoli had their chances and they didn't like. That's a great opportunity where Consili gives the ball away to Osiman and Osiman probably should have scored that goal. Yeah, but Consili had some a pretty good game as well. And I thought Consili just didn't get a proper warm up before the game. Yeah, exactly. That's what they it was. decided. Here, 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 here you go, Victor. Take this. I'm going to save it. <laughs> and but, then we're good. <laughs> but yeah, so. And he's like, all right, now I'm ready. Yeah. <laughs> so. But I thought Sassuolo attacked this game very well, and they were given the opportunity to hold possession, like you mentioned. And, yeah. I, you know, they are, they're a good team. We've said it from the beginning. And it doesn't matter if they don't have their best players there. They still play the same way. The Zerbi had the guys ready tactically, and they took their chances. I thought initially when that penalty happened, uh, when, uh, when what's-his-name goes down in the box, that it was a dive. But then when I saw the replay, it was a penalty to me. Yeah. Um, and then, obviously, to cap it with um, – uh, Maxime Lopez getting that goal at the end. It's a it's a great win by by Sassuolo, and we've been saying that they're 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 a difficult team. They're they're a team that knows how to defend. Now they they still can be fun bad at times, uh, but you expected them to be more disciplined, especially with their best players out of the game, and they found a way. Great result for them. Yeah, I mean it was, it was Lopez coming in on a on a late goal there to seal it for Sassuolo. I mean, yeah, this is this is the kind of game that tells you that Sassuolo are here and they're going to be a thing. They're going to ruin the the traditional top seven that we've come to know. Someone is getting their season ruined. I think it's going to be Lazio now. I, before the season, thought it would be Roma. Um, But they're, they're here. They're a thing. They don't have the European competitions to be distracted by. They can focus solely on this competition if they want to, punt the Coppa Italia they could we'll see if Dzerbi does but and 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 that they would win this game without Berardi without Juricic and without Caputo who have all been dynamic and outstanding I mean this is a very very impressive performance it's a very impressive um advert of Dzerbi's credentials as a manager too this is why many. This is why many people have been clamoring for him to be the next person in line to take over the Azzurri job when and if uh, Mancini steps out yes. from that role, which is going to be a while from now. But that's what they're all clamoring for because the way he plays, the style of play, he obviously has the tactic ability. He just needed the players, you know, up until now, and he, and he didn't have it until he got to Sassuolo, and he kind of molded them into them because they were never really this good before. He kind of they instilled the confidence in them. Obviously, having a guy like Caputo helps, uh, but Berardi, he's back to where. There's all this hype when he was younger, and everyone's like, oh, he's going to Juventus, or he's going whatever, and he's going to be the great player, and never really panned out. But now under Deserbi, he's coming to his own again, and he's one of, he's one of the best players, and that's why he got called to Azzurri as well because uh, of the performances under Deserbi. And so um, full credit's got to go to the manager in this one, the way he got them ready, and Locatelli's coming to his own. He got to wear the captain's armband in this one. He made some. He's an underrated tackler. He made some fantastic tackles in this game. Yep. I thought he was one of the best players in this and on the pitch for both teams. Um, and yeah, just a, it's a, it's a credit to the manager, the Zerbi, coaching these guys up and yep. making them reach their potential. Yeah, I thought Locatelli was was terrific. I was uh, curious to see. And then it's also the tactical flexibility because you've seen a lot of four three three with the Zerbi. He went to a three man defense in this game. Yeah, you know he went with Hayan, Kierkez, uh, uh, and, and Ferrari, where Mulder and Rogerio were on the wing back position. Were in the wing back position. Rogerio so, was dangerous in this one. Well, Rogerio was terrific. Yeah. Uh, he was terrific in this game, no doubt about it. Um, so 
Yeah, I mean, he's you know, not only does he is he winning with this, uh, he's showing flexibility with his personnel to get it right and to go out and get it. This is a man, this is a damn dangerous team. I don't think they're a Scudetto winner, don't get me wrong. I think there will be a dip in form from them coming at some point, but this is a Europa League contender and 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 it's going to stick at 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 the rate it's going. Let's let's stick on that thread, but go jump on over to Napoli's side. Does this make them any less of a Scudetto contender losing a game like this to a team that wasn't at full strength? I'll tell you this: between this and then the giveaway against Odds at Alkmaar in 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 uh, Europa League, is there a team that miss in in Serie A that misses their home atmosphere more than Napoli does? Yeah, it's. It, I don't think there is. Uh, and it's evident by those games, like you mentioned. You know, when they're on, they are one of the best in Europe, probably. Uh, when they're, when they're on, but they had these blips where you're just like, "What are you thinking?" In this game, granted, we knew it was going to be difficult. We, at least, mm-hmm. we knew that Sassuolo was going to pose a threat. But you know, the Azakmar game, it, like scratch your head, you like you had the advantage in that game. You should have won that game. You didn't. There's other games we saw yeah. in the Serie where they probably should have won and they didn't. I'm going to say it's just a one-off for them, and uh, it's still early in the season. Sassuolo are obviously better than many most people think. Um, but, you know, these these kind of blips don't allow you to win Scudettos, when, especially when you see teams consistent like Juventus who find ways to win, even when they're not at their best, or get a draw. They don't no. lose often. And Napoli still have to find it under Gattuso, find ways to eke out and get resources. And they're really good. But they have, you know, they got to find ways in games like this where the stakes are a little bit higher. Sure, sure, no doubt about it. So, so we'll have to, you know, we'll have to see if uh, they can uh, rebound Napoli. They're going to have to rebound pretty quickly here uh, to try to get back on their feet and get things going. Roma beating Fiorentina two 0 Spinazzola in the twelfth, Pedro in the seventieth. Uh, Fiorentina getting the lion's share of the possession in this game, uh, not doing a whole lot with it. Dragovsky, as you mentioned, made some pretty good saves Amazing. to keep this from being more than two. Lorenzo Pellegrini, very good in this game. Um, Spinazzolo is very good. Starting to take, yeah. Spinazzolo turned up and finally played a good game for Roma as well. Um, you know, Roma, I'm still – Is it? Is this a product of – Roma just being able to find a way to get this done here. I mean, or is Fiorentina, is is there issues here? Is there a lack of belief now? I mean, they're 11th. Let's not get, you know, let's not, let's not treat it like the sky is falling with them because they just got done beating Udinese. They, you know, they're getting, you know, and and they've been in some fights here. Um, But it also, at the same time, they're on seven points with the schedule not being terribly flattering. I mean, they beat Udinese, which is good. Yeah. Um, they drew Spezia, so they, you know, which some people could consider drop points. I mean, at the beginning of the season, they lose at home to Sampdoria at a time where yeah. Sampdoria probably didn't have the house in order for them like they do now. No. Um, you know, they do get that narrow win against Fiorentina. They dropped points against Inter. It was just an absolute calamity by a Yakini taking out his best players at the time. Or let's not forget that Federico Chiesa was a Fiorentina player when that game happened. Um, so. I mean, Camiso is sticking with them, which is, you know, I'm worried. (laughs) I think that's probably about the best way I can describe it. And I've seen many, uh, I mean, Chloe and and many other people have said, you know, it'd be interesting, we've even said it here, it would be interesting to see what Saudi would do with the team, right? Uh, Especially with the players that he would have at his disposal. But 
he doesn't. And Comiso sticking with Iakini right now, and it's he. There was a good game against Udinese last week, and you gotta you know keep you know keep a grain of salt there that you know Roma their midfield is actually pretty pretty darn good. They're very good at possession. You know you know having the guys Pedro Mkhitaryan pulling the strings for the team. Uh, and obviously with Spinazzola and Karlsdorp on the on the wing backs, they're they're a decent team in the midfield areas. So it's always going to be difficult, but still, they should be doing so much more. I mean, we mentioned Vlaovic has been so much, so underperforming this season. Castrovilli is having a good season, but he can't do it alone. Um, the team I think is better off now without Chiesa because they're not so him def- dependent, and they can really yeah. play as a team now. But uh, you know, in this in a game like this, you know. Thank God they have Dragowski back there to keep him in the games because if they didn't, they'd probably get obliterated a lot more. Um, and they need him to keep this goalkeeper happy because in this, you know, and some of these youngsters happy because if they don't, they may start, you know, jumping ship like Chiesa did, and and then they're going to be, you know, again struggling at the bottom of the table. And I think holding on to Akini much longer is, is just going to be a bad thing for Fiorentina. And I, I think you know, Comiso finally needs to just come out and be like, okay, I'm done with you. Yeah, maybe it takes another bad result. For that to happen, and then move on, and hopefully try to get someone like Asadi or somebody who, you know, who can help use the resources that they do have and get them to that potential. Because we've been saying it for how many damn years now that there's talent there, but they just can't. They're underperforming. I'm sick and tired of saying this, and I'm not even a, a Viola fan. I'm, I can't imagine what they're thinking. Let me read you what a team lineup would look like uh, under Maurizio Sarri with the current Fiorentina outfit. And let me tell tell me what you think. All right. First of all, let me read you the lineup that Iacchini came out with against Fiorentina. Dragowski in goal, three-man defense, Lucas Martinez, who got sent off. Nikola Milenkovic and Martin Caceres. Uh, Poli Rola, right wing back. Uh, Beragi, left wing back. Uh, midfield three of uh, Castrovilli, Amrabat, and Bonaventura. Uh, Ribery and Callejon up front. Mm. Now let me propose a 4-3-3 under Sari. Uh, right back, Poli Rola. Uh, center backs Milenkovic and Caceres, left back Biragi, uh, midfield three of Amrabat, uh, Castrovilli, and Bonaventura, and then a front three of Ribery, Vlaovic, and Callejon. That should be easily a, a top 10 lineup, yeah, or a top, definitely, a, definitely a top 10, maybe not the top 10, but you know, in the top 10. Uh, that's a that's a good lineup. Yeah, I mean, when Ribery is healthy, he's going to do fantastic. Vlaovic, we saw it last year, did very well for them. Castrovilli is coming to his own. I mean, that's a good team. Yeah, you got Milinkovic back there, Dragowski in goal. That's a good team. They should be, you know, perennial top ten team. They should be. Is Amrabat a deep lying playmaker though? Can no. you jam him into being that in that setup? No, I mean, depends on his his ability. I, I haven't really seen him in playing in the Rajista type role or or deep deep line playmaker role. Um, perhaps he could do it, but that's not where his skill set is. He's he's more of an attacking type midfielder. That's where he's most dangerous. Yep. Uh, but you never know. We've seen it. We've seen many other teams in the past in Serie A or other leagues where they took a player which we thought was an attacking player, put him in the deep line playmaker, and he's been oof, fantastic. Sure. Andre Pirlo. Uh, so um, who knows. But uh, I would rather take that chance than keep him off. I'd rather have him on the pitch than off the pitch. That's just yep. me. Um, but that's a that's a that's a fantastic lineup to have, and I would love it if I was a manager to have that kind of style. But Iacchini yeah, doesn't matter if you, get, you probably give him Ronaldo, and he'd probably still fail. I mean, because you got you, you, Calhoun and Ribery up front together. It's just 
there's going to be a lot of running. There's going to be a lot. I mean, and they're going to just by nature, just do a lot of service. I mean, I think Ribery might try to create his own shot. I don't yeah. know if, Cal, you know, Callihan really can't do that. No, he'll set him up. It's almost like you, you, you need a striker in there with them to p- let them play off a little bit. What, so, if had, what if you had Jack? He's not really done, it, but what if Jack plays a, a deep line playmaker and give Amrabat the chance to get say go up? I don't he, think that's, I don't think, I don't think his, his skill set fits that. He doesn't have the pace anymore to, you know, <laughs> well, I mean, if he doesn't have any pace anymore, then sit him in front of the back four. Yeah. You know, and let Amrabat and, 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 and do the chasing. Yeah. You know, I mean, but you'd, you'd, you'd have to, you'd have to uh, break a lot of, habits that bonaventura has when he plays the game so that's true and i, and I'm, I wonder if you know looking at their bench to see if they have somebody that could just fit in there i mean obviously you got a christian kwame come off the bench and saponara obviously but in the in that midfield i don't know i mean could eric pulgar do it pull oh, pulgar could definitely do it so maybe you want to have him instead of uh bonaventura out there and put an amrabat in an attacking position that might be a better fit, and then you got you could have Pulgar. You could have Pulgar in that deep lying role in that Jorginho role, and you could have him flanked by Castrovilli and Amrabat. That would be pretty damn sick. And you got a free kick specialist out there with Ribéry, so sure, that's a pretty good lineup. Sure, you know, just trying to help Fiorentina fans get a picture painted of what it could look like, you know, if, and we stress if, uh, Saudi. Uh, you know, where to ever take over down the road. Um, Give us a call. We'll help you out. Yes. So, you know, we can, we can put a lineup together here for Fiorentina that could, that could help there. So moving on, we have the, and and usually we like to give on city. I sit down over the years. We've given this a lot more attention than we used to, but with the lack of spectators at games now, this is, this is one of those fixtures that just absolutely gets killed. Uh, by the lack of spectators, the Derby della Lanterna—it's a spectacle. It oh, draws it draws casual calcio neutrals. It really does. Um, you know the Marassi when it is packed, uh, it's a sight to behold. I've I've gone on to call the Marassi Stadium eye candy. It's yeah, it just it's looks like it's one of the best. It looks like one of the more pleasing places to watch a game. Yeah, on our, friend, our friends over at IFTV, they had went there a few years ago during, to watch the game there, um, and they had lots of fun over there. They they, they raved about how, how how great that stadium was, and so that's all my bucket list to go to that derby for sure. And sure. this game was a good game. I mean, it was no fans there, unfortunately, but I liked the game. I thought it was a good competitive game. Um, yeah, very balanced game, very competitive game, and a game that produced only two goals, but both are going to be goal of the week candidates. Sampdoria and Genoa playing to a 1-1 draw. Jakob Bianco, uh, beautiful curler there on the 23rd. Um, and then Gianluca Scamacca, uh, break this kid out. Um, mm. Because I'll tell you what, I, you know. Player. I'm, I'm impressed. <laughs> you know, yeah. is it to the point where he could save Genoa from the drop? Uh, we'll see. But this kid's got some skill to him. Uh just instinctive to be able to get that ball, run with it, and just quick first-time finish yes. uh, in the 28th minute to square the match. Uh, it ends 1-1 there. Um, you know, we've been singing this, the praises of Sampdoria here under Ranieri, but Genoa looked competitive uh, in this game. Um, maybe it was the nature of having to play the derby, uh, but yeah. they produced chances. Um, they didn't give up much. You know, and it's not like, you know, Sampdoria brought out their best team. 
but now we're starting to talk about some guys that are, I mean, 75 year old Goran Pandev was out there. Um, <laughs> but Krishito's back for them. Uh, Zayich, who was with Brescia last season, playmaking midfielder, he's decent. Okay. He can help you. Um, Lehrer has had hot. He's been hot and cold in this league. Yeah. Um, you know, Bedell has a ton of experience in this. Nicolò Rovella, um, young player, looked pretty promising too. Played well. Played well. Uh, yeah, played really well in this game. So uh, this is a better Genoa than anything they've put out so far this season, and it had a lot to do with them getting this point. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Uh, Gianluca Scamacca reminds me of another Gianluca, Gianluca Lapadula. Uh, being able to you know find and create his own shot and, and he's in the right place at the right time. Hopefully he has more goals in him than than Lapadula. But um, I thought this was a good performance by Genoa. They obviously stepped up. I was worried too going to this game that Sampdoria was just going to run right on them. But they it was a derby, and for most derbies around the world, teams you know they, doesn't matter the form. As we talked about the 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 derby Milan or earlier a couple weeks ago. You know, both teams, doesn't matter the form, they step up and they play well. And in this game, we saw Genoa really uh, play a good game overall. I was quietly impressed with them. I thought uh, it's good back and forth, very entertaining game. Uh, they went down early to that Aryan Robin-esque uh, goal by Yankto. Uh, but they found a way. And then uh, Skamaka in the 28th minute with a, with a nice goal, like you mentioned, just find a way to quick turn and get that shot off. Um, he definitely had uh, uh, the goalie, you know, wasn't ready for it absolutely and then i thought they had some opportunities throughout the game to get to get out to get the winner and they didn't but um overall you know, guys like rovella um really really impressed and i, I do like this kamaka kid and maybe not so much the neck tattoos but uh i think he's a good player overall yeah um came over from uh a, he played at a scully last year uh you know and played 33 games started 26 only nine goals i mean there's nothing here from his stats from last year playing with a scully showing you that he's this good but they need that fight and attack they need yeah that kind of player but he's he's kind of found his way in here um and he you know i'll, I'll just get quickly because genoa and torino did make up their game midweek i know i got one more game i got to get to and, and torino won that at genoa 2-1 uh that's where lukic did score again uh pellegrini had an own goal in that game and then skamaka actually scored in the 94th minute so he has two goals uh in three appearances right off the bat yeah. um you know so <laughs> Given the fact that at Ascoli in 33 games, he only scored nine times, this will normalize. But sure, there's a lot to like about him because I think not only does he, I mean, he scores, he poaches and, and does those things like that, but he has also set players up. Um, he's created some chances. He's not afraid to get into wider areas and, and, and deliver crosses. So he's a young kid that's got some tools here that, that uh, I think we should pay some attention here. And he's decent in the air too, so that's another yep. set piece person you can worry about uh, for Genoa. So yeah, uh, there's a, all signs are indicating that they're they're going to start performing better than they had to start the season. Are they at Sabdoria's level? Not so sure no. yet, but uh, season's still young. Uh, my hope is that you know I did I did have Genoa you know placing higher than Sampdoria, which I look like an idiot at the moment. But yeah, who knows? I didn't expect this to happen either. So who, we'll see how it runs out, but. Uh, good for them. They need to have some fight because we don't want to see either Genovese club and either yeah. club uh, drop this year. 
Yeah, keep keep both Genovese clubs up. Uh, as yeah. you know, if we can if we can pull it off, uh, and then we, it all finished Monday. Hellas been on a three, Benevento one. Antonin Barak with a uh, goal of the week candidate in the seventeenth minute. Nice little back heel. Yeah, uh, clever. You know what? I, I I'm very high on Matias Akanyi, By the way, yeah, he's a good player. He's a he's a nice little player, and he created this and and got the ball across. Um, you know, so seventeenth minute for him. You mentioned Gianluca Lapadula. He scores. Did I just lose you? No, no, I'm here. I just okay. lost the camera. You just lost your camera. Okay. Um, Lapadula scores in the 56th minute to make it 1-1. Uh, but then it would be Antonin Barak outside of the left foot. Beautiful curler. Wow. Another goal of the week candidate. 63rd minute. Where has this guy been? And yeah. why would Udinese let him go? Um, putting Hellas Verona ahead by two goals to one. And then uh, it would be Lausovic finishing the scoring. 3-1 to Hellas Verona. Um, so much for this letdown with Hellas Verona. Yeah, and it's uh, it's great to see Antonin Barak. Really, we, we've, we've been high on him for a while, even back to his Udinese days. We saw the talent there. He just couldn't get it together. And now, he, you know, this game, obviously, is just a one-off, but a great game by him. Some great goals. Obviously, he's uh, trying to mirror my hairstyle. Uh, but you know that regardless, I mean, some beautiful goals today. He's a big man who's got the skill set of a smaller man and he's good in the air as well. Um, mm -hmm. he has that potential to be a, a catalyst for them this season and hopefully they can, they can continue on this form because Hellas, we, we thought we we're going to be a little bit weaker this year, but they're starting to find their way again. They're finding, they're finding ways defensively and scoring goals, which is, uh, only going to be difficult for the rest of Syria. Well, I mean, he's. Juric has just reshuffled the deck here. He, you know, yeah. he had some losses. He dealt with them. Kumbula went to uh, Roma. Uh, you've got Amrabat now at Fiorentina. You know, and they bring in Tamezi, uh, Barak. They Great bring point. in, yep. you know, DiMarco. Um, Ceccarini comes over, and then they patch this together and they go again. Um, you know, they, they, for whatever reason, they bring in Nikola Kalinic, and I think that Juric is Croatian, Kalinic is Croatian, and that's the only explanation for why Nikola Kalinic <laughs> is in this team. Um, but uh, you know, when you take a look at what they what they've put together, it's not too much of a departure from what they were personnel wise last year. So why not, uh, you know, yeah. be at this level? I think it just took him a few games to figure out where those pieces going to go for Juric, and I think he's starting to get it. Uh, DiMarco, two assists in this game, one to Barak and one to um, Lazovic in this game. Obviously, Lazovic is a decent player. They got some good pieces here. Um, yeah, they lost some big players last year, but they, like you said, they reshuffled and found new guys in the slots, and then off they go. Uh, you know, it's good. It's good for Hellas because they, you know, once their fans come back, I mean, they got a great fan base. But obviously, with no fans, they still find ways to win. Um, and um, yeah, I'm just I'm just impressed by the job Juric has done over the last couple of seasons, and uh, I think Hellas is going to be here to stay in terms of being a pain in the ass to everyone else in the league. And and if you don't come ready, they're going to get wins like this in three one and uh, good performance. Hopefully, we get to, you know last year we saw some uh, Kambula and some other players get the get the acclaim. This year you're going to have a couple other guys you know get the acclaim. Amrabat was one last year. Now it's going to be somebody else. Maybe Antonin Barak finally gets uh, the limelight. The only thing that. I mean, they, I mean, the, the commendable thing here, they beat Roma 3-0 yep. to start the season. Um, but then you look at the rest of their schedule, 1-0 over Udinese, 0-0 against Genoa, which you got to get three points somehow. They they gacked it at Parma. They gacked it away at Parma, losing 1-0. But they do go and win or draw at Juve, a, you know, a less than full strength Juve. 
uh, 1-1, mind you, and then, you know, winning against Benevento. So now they go to Milan uh, on tough game game. on Sunday. And then that's going to be, I think that's a tough game for both teams. It is, you know, really, if I'm being honest, Uh, because, you know, Milan, obviously with the run that they have been on, but Verona play the kind of game that could really, really agitate this Milan side. So this could be one of those. I mean, you got Atalanta playing Inter on Saturday. You got Lazio Juve on Sunday. This Milan Verona game is, is going to be under the radar. Good. It may not be terribly pleasing for the neutral to watch. No, one nothing, two one maybe. Right, it's going to be a grind. But these are going to be styles that, you know, Verona has the kind of style and the kind of system and the kind of approach that could easily aggravate a Milan side. Absolutely, and they got the discipline defensively to do that too as well. So that's what they're going to, you know, they're going to try to do is, you know try to soak up some of that pressure and then try to hit them on the counterattack when they have their opportunities, take them with the playmakers that they have. And uh, it's going to be a difficult game. I, I I don't expect many goals in this game whatsoever. You know, I would be surprised if two, one would be a high scoring game for me in that game. I think yeah. you know, looking at a one, nothing one, one type game, maybe, you know, Eber pulls off some magic to one who knows, but it's not going to be terribly high scoring in this game. It's going to be very disciplined, good discipline game. It's going to be a good entertaining game, but it's going to be, uh, a difficult game to watch if you're neutral because you're if you got no stake in this you're expecting goals and some great passing it's not going to be that it's just going to be very technical very uh disciplined by both teams and um hellas they just know how to play these types of games and yurich yurich has been doing it for years now so yep yep he certainly has and he's he's found a niche here at hellas Verona. he's done an excellent job yeah oh goals of the week Goals of the week, yes. Uh, I'm sure mine will be much different than yours, but uh, let's see. So honorable mentions for me, uh, the Antonin Barak backheel flick. It was in my top five, but some goals pushed it out of the way. Okay. Uh, and then uh, pretty much any goaltender this weekend, Dragausi, Consili, I mean, you know, uh, Cranio, you name it. Those, a lot of the goalies stepped up this weekend, some amazing saves, in particular Dragowski. Uh, but uh, all the goaltenders, you know, the honorable mention is that. Uh, that's as close as some one of the goalies have come to being in my top five. So uh, coming at number five for me, uh, Jakob Yankto with an Aryan Robin impression. Uh, nice goal, left-footed shot off the right wing. Uh, coming in number four for me, Frank Kessier with a bomb assisted by Ibrahimovic. Uh, great goal there. Uh, number three for me, Musa Barrow, his first goal of the game. It was a rocket, a beautiful move to free himself up and then get that goal. Coming in number two, I'm going to go with Antonin Barak, his second goal. Outside of the foot, curled to the far corner. Nicely done. Very technically done. Very difficult to pull off. And I'm actually going to have a draw, a tie, another tie, two weeks in a row for first place. And they're going to go to the old men of the league. Gervinho, his first goal, the volley, I thought was beautifully done, beautifully taken. Mm-hmm. Uh, one time that right into the back of the net. And then, of course, Zlatan's bicycle, whatever you want to call it, goal. Uh, impressive by the two older statesmen of the league to get goals like that. So uh, those are my top five, is yeah, six. <laughs> yeah, we're we're not that far off. Uh, I don't have Yankto on my list. Uh, uh, coming in at number five, I have Barack's second goal, the outside of left foot. Um, Musa Barrow's opener uh, for Bologna, or his first goal for the equalizer. Um, curling shot from him. Mm-hmm. Um, Antonin Barak's first goal for me is number three. Uh, so he makes my top five to, with a back heel. Uh, Gervinho's volley comes in at number two, and then you know, 
Ebra, I, you know, when a 39-year-old man does an overhead kick and scores, no matter how 39-year-old-ish it looks. Yeah, it's a goal. You got to you gotta give it credit. Yeah, so uh, I couldn't. He makes, he makes it. Uh, he and he makes got up, and he got up. We would have we done that and fell and never got back up. Winner for me, Sassuolo. Uh, they're a living, breathing thing here. Uh, being able to have the resources to go on the road, go to the San Paolo and beat Napoli 2-0. Uh, and prove that at least through six games, which I like, I said I'd get through a third of the season and let's see how where everybody's at. But they're showing that they're that they're in this and that they're going to be a pain in the ass to everybody. Um, and then loser for me, uh, Inter. This is even without Romelu Lukaku. Um, this is that's three point. That's two points dropped. Uh, you know, with all the chances that you had. Uh, you know, and you're talking about building this team to try to win the Scudetto. That is the, that is exactly the fixture that you must get three points out of. Yeah. Uh, no excuses, no exceptions. So uh, winner for me, Sassuolo, loser for me, Inter. Okay. Um, for me, the winner of the winner of the weekend is Sinisem Mahalovic for finally playing Musa Baro and getting a win. Yeah. Two goals and assists. So that's my winner of the week there. Loser of the week. I'm going to go with uh, Torino. I mean, you're up. 3-2 in the 87th minute and still find a way to lose that match. Uh, they are the definition of fun bet, as you said, and that is unacceptable to be up that late in the game and find a way to lose that game. Um, pretty poor by them. I mean, if we're looking at power rankings, my power rankings haven't shifted too much. I still have Milan in first place in the power rankings, second place. I'm probably not going to have Napoli at the moment. It's probably going to be – I'll say Napoli – Sassuolo, Juve, and Inter dropped a fifth in my my power rankings there. But yeah, it's uh, yeah. Not I'm too- gonna I'm gonna power rank uh, Milan first, Juve second. Okay. Um, uh, I just you know now that the band is back together, uh, they're they're going to look dangerous uh, going forward. Sassuolo third for me, and then yeah. I'll go Atalanta fourth. Yeah. Um, I think that that's you know probably the most appropriate given the circumstances. So. Yeah. Uh, and then Napoli fifth, uh, you know, at that point. So it's basically the top five. But if I had to do it by a, from a power approach, I would have Juventus ahead of Sassuolo at the moment. Okay, okay. cool. So, Sounds good to me. More bigger, bigger, bigger margin of victory over Napoli than than Sassuolo had. <laughs> Although the uh, the circumstances under which they got it, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, all right. So now let's get on to everybody's favorite portion of the podcast. Who won Calcio Twitter? Uh, take it away. Uh, I'll go first because uh, somebody had uh, alerted me to this one. Okay. Um, uh, at finally Haji. Um, this was after Juve lost to Barcelona in the Champions League. Pirlo turned Juventus into Piemonte Calcio. <laughs> Very nice. Very funny. Uh, let's see. Uh, so this one comes in from uh, FC Barcelona. They get into the action. Last week we had Gladbach. This week we got Barcelona. So this is av- obviously after the game against Juventus. And they tweeted out, we are glad you were able to finally see the goat on your pitch, Juventus. <laughs> <Ba-dum-tsh>. Yep. <laughs> Take it out of Ronaldo. Well done. Well done. Uh, our good friend Scott Monroe at Scott S1T. Scott <laughs> underscore Monroe, M-U-N-R-O-E. Again, this is a Juve Barcelona situation. Barcelona were in their away pink colors. Juve really struggling against Palermo tonight. (laughs) That was funny. I thought that was very funny. Look, you can see the jersey. It's uh, very pink. 
Very pink. Uh, this next one, Nino, man. Nino's really getting to it. He, got, he won two times last week. Uh, so this one, he comes back again. Alvaro Morata. So a uh, picture with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio cheer, doing cheers. It says Alvaro Morata scoring a hat-trick against Barcelona at home in the UEFA Champions League. And VAR is laughing their ass off against him. <laughs> <laughs> good stuff. Oh, that's good. Good stuff. All right. So uh, this one goes to uh, – this one's from at Free Range Rabbit, uh, Rusu Milano. Um Earlier in the week, uh, uh, back on the 30th, in fact, I, I tweeted, uh, I'll keep, this was after the uh, uh, the win over Sparta Prague in the Europa League. I said, I'll keep saying this to you, Milan Twitter, until we've all accepted this. We need to accept and embrace the concept that Milan are a really good team and that we have crawled out of the shit that was the banter era with a backroom staff that knows how to assemble the team. At Free Range Rabbit happily replies by saying, imagine being so jaded that you find problems in a 23-game unbeaten streak. He said win streak. With 10 different scores by a group of kids who still aren't sure how to make a decent plate of pasta. <laughs> God bless them. Well played. Well played. Free Range Rabbit was on the board. Yes. Uh, I gave uh, some credit to Juventus for this, for who won Calcio Twitter. Uh, in the 23rd minutes, we, we, we talked about during the game. Alfred Morata gets a goal, and this time it's in the back net, but ruled offside by Bar. <laughs> oh, sorry. No goal. No, no goal. No goal. And, and Juve, Juve is even acknowledging it. So, yes. Adam Digby. Uh, I think this is his first uh, first go at uh, yep. who won Calcio Twitter. At ADZ77. Uh, Federico Chiesa leads all Serie A players in successful take-ons that look great on TV but only result in a goal kick for the opponent. <laughs> Isn't he the most hard running us to the end line and for whatever reason, that last touch, he just can't keep it in play before he's ready to cross it? Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next one is uh, from friend of the show, Nima Tavale. He says, uh, has a picture of the ultimate warrior running to the ring. He says, Fabio Paratici, Paratrici running into referee's dressing room at halftime during Spezza Juventus. <laughs> Great stuff. Uh, at Roma, Roma, Roma 17, wayward Gialorossi. Uh, apparently, Sandro is a fucking waiter. Now, why are we this Sandro Tonali stuff? I blame Leave the uh, kid alone. Harrelly like <laughs> starting to stuff with a picture of uh, Justin Long from the movie Waiting. I mean, did you ever see that movie Waiting? Yeah, that's a great movie. Yeah, that's a great yeah movie. I thought it was hilarious. My wife sat down and watched it with me, and I think she left the room after like 15 minutes. <laughs> it's definitely a guy humor movie. So. <laughs> it is. It is. It is. Uh, next one is from uh, Don Totti at Zaniolo underscore fan. Juventini celebrating a win versus newly promoted Spezia as if they won their third Champions League. I love how low their standards have dropped. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I uh, our, our good friend uh, Presidente from Milan Weekly Podcast uh, at Presidente MCM. Uh, this is uh, after uh, Steve from Milan Weekly Podcast uh, had a question for hashtag at Ask Vinny and Steve. If you would have cast, if you would have to cast actors to play Vinny and Steve in a Milan Weekly Pod documentary, who would those actors be? Uh, and then Presidente probably responds uh, when Steve asks himself a question, and it is the gif of the Spider-Man uh, pointing at each other. <laughs> uh, Steve talking to himself online. Gotta love yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, I love it. 
any more? Let's see. Um, yeah. Oh, wait. No, there's more. Don Totti again. Uh, Don Totti with another one at Zoniolo underscore fan. He says, uh, Cheat up Interisti. It's not like Milan are in first place in the league are in a rich vein of form. Oh, whoops. <laughs> the gift of Allegri. Yep. Yep. Uh, uh, let's see. Uh, Rafa. Let's see what he's got here. Um, okay, Rafa is trying to check in. Uh, this is this is kind of election related. Uh, I know one poll that is closed. Uh, it is a GIF of uh, Arkadiusz Milik striking a ball off the crossbar. As close as he comes to scoring a goal. Yep. Uh, and uh, I guess there's one left here from the Calcio guys. Uh, jokesters themselves, they put out a tweet today saying, uh, Juve are themselves when they're hungry. Get it? They played Fenerbahce who are from Hungary. Yeah, I didn't find that funny. <laughs> <You> guys... <laughs> uh, they tried. That's like, a, that's like a, uh, uh, that's like a Laffy Taffy. That's like the Laffy Taffy jokes of Calcio. <laughs> Topless <So>. Milan Club. <laughs> yep. Nope, uh, Steve's not here. Uh, yeah, we're not taking our shirts off. Yep, and uh, yeah, I'm damn sure not. So, <laughs> all right, so we got to pick pick a winner out of this. Oh, yeah, that's uh difficult. Yeah, if you're in the chat, uh, tell us what's your favorite of the uh, Who Won Calcio. Um, let's see, mine. Um, that is a tough one. Uh, I'm gonna go with some one of the earlier ones in this. Yeah, I I think I'm gonna go with the. I can't pick them. Can I? Um. <laughs> Armor is gonna hate me for this one, but I'm gonna say the fucking uh Sandra Tonali one. Apparently Sandra's a fucking waiter. <laughs> that was good. That was good. That was good. All right. So well uh okay, so that that one is yours. I, I really like that one, but um I, I've gotta go with that free range rabbit. I thought that was a uh uh, that was so well played. I imagine being so jaded that you find problems in a 23 match on beat and run with 10 different scores by a group of kids who still aren't sure how to make a decent plate of pasta. Uh, well done. Uh, so, well done. yes. Uh, uh, my pick for who won Calp Show Twitter this week. Well played at Free Range rabbit i love that hat i love that handle too by the way that's a good handle free range rabbit i like it i like it hold on all right and then yours was uh where were jello rossi he he is yep. our so we have co-winners we well, i mean and we're fine doing co-winners it's not like we're handing out prizes for any of this yeah shit, so not yet all right so <laughs> our underscore carmen has selected this this week's at who won culture Twitter. Wonderful. All right. So uh, keep those, uh, keep those culture tweets coming. We, uh, you know, whether you intend to be uh, in this contest or not, we look for them and we just grab them and nominate them straight away. So yep. um, it's, uh, it's definitely, uh, definitely something that we're having a lot of fun with these days. So, Absolutely. yep. All right. I think uh, we're going to put a bow on this edition of City I Sit Down. Shameless plug time, Richard. Yeah, you can find me at r underscore k h a r m a n, and uh, I will probably put out another video uh, after the uh, Thursday games of for the Europa League. So I've been pulling up the weekly European Italians in Europe 
videos coming out to us. We've done the last two weeks. We're match day three is wrapping up here. So we'll put a video for that on YouTube. So check that out. And uh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I am at FTC underscore 21 uh, this Friday and uh, Fridays for the foreseeable future. Uh, two o'clock Eastern on Man of the Match Radio with Alex Dono, our friend over there at Calcio Connection. Um, I'll really? be, uh, yeah, yeah. We 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 enjoyed it so much, and uh, the, the you know the first go around, and uh, he said, "Well, do you want to make this a weekly thing?" And I said, "Yeah, I'm t- if it's fifteen no. minutes on the phone, fifteen minutes on the phone, I can do that." So. So check that out, if you, especially if you're in South Florida and if you have access to that, Man of the Match Radio with Alex Dono. And I think that's at Onside Radio. So uh, uh, check all that out, and uh, you'll get my spot, and I'll get Alex's questions. I'll fire away some answers. We'll get a good, lively chat going about Serie A, uh, you know, in, in some of the uh, mainstream radio that's out there. Um, at City A, sit down on Twitter uh, or Instagram, where you can find us on social media. We're also on Facebook. City A, sit down. We have our own channel on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. We also can be found on Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever there's podcasts, there's City A, sit down. Uh, so check us out on any of those formats. Um, chat, uh, we enjoyed it. Thanks for uh, continuing to come on, continuing to support us. If you enjoyed this video, drop a like and subscribe so you can get notifications for whenever uh, we do live recordings uh, on, I believe we're going to try to shoot for the early part of next week uh, at an earlier time. Um, we have, uh, we we are trying to line up a guest. Do we want to spoil that yet or do we want to wait till we have them confirmed? Yeah, we'll wait. We'll wait. We'll leave you in, we're going to leave you all in suspense. So. Um, that's the way we do things around here. So uh, we will uh, we will be live with a guest, but we will give everybody notice when we're back live on the YouTube channel where you can uh, check in and join us. So uh, thank you as always for listening. For Richard, I'm Frank. Be sure you tell your paisans about us. Ciao.